20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots! This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Dust Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first, it's over! 27 years of waiting have come to an end! The Giants have won the pennant! It is Thompson to Clark, Double G here, solo. Brad and his family are enjoying uh, vacation. Brad will be back next week, though. Next week, we may record in the middle of the week because of the holiday. So check uh, for that more midweek than early in the week, like normal. Uh, and do a couple of quick updates here by myself until I bring on two guests uh, for later in the show. So first of all, uh, the latest, latest news that came out, Giants are on an off day before heading to, or actually, they've already head to Toronto to play a three-gamer in Toronto. Uh, Kyle Harrison and Carson Wisenhunt will represent the Giants at the Futures game next month. So great for them. Uh, and who knows, we may even see one or both of them on the big club sooner than later. Uh, Luke Jackson went on the injured list with a back injury and uh, Ross Stripling rejoined the team after his long stint. I believe he pitched in San Jose and struck out like nine guys in three innings or four innings or something crazy like that. So, uh, and I, and I also read that they were working on a little bit more of uh, him being uh, his delivery because he's so upright uh, and they saw some things in his delivery. Uh, also, uh, baby Yaz, Mikey Stremski went on the DL with a hammy issue. Uh, late night, Lamont Wade, he is still dealing with a, a side issue. Uh, they have not put him on the injured list. So it looks like they're trying to get him to, uh, you know, just in a few days, day to day, try and work with him on that injury so that he is available uh, and uh, last week, Giants went five and two. Giants are hot. They're just a hot team right now. And it's not, they're not winning necessarily in one specific way or another. They're coming from behind. They're getting out in front and, and keeping the leads with smart bullpen play. Uh, yesterday, they had a chance to win, but they had a couple of base running errors. And, you know, with, with the youthful team comes the young, great energy the uh just the ability to um stay up you know there's someone like brandon crawford he's played so many games i can't imagine that you know he wakes up and goes wow i can't wait to play today he probably realizes that he needs to sustain energy for the entire year but you got these young kids who just look like they're like waking up and touching the ceiling before they get out and play but you know they're gonna make some Errors. Blake Sable made a base running error. He didn't pick up his third base coach on a uh, on a play that uh, I forget who was playing third base for the Diamondbacks. Uh, he ate the ball basically. He, he stopped the ball. Didn't go to the outfield, and uh, Blake Sable thought it did. And instead, he should have picked up his third base coach, who could have told him what was going on, but he didn't. And he ran the Giants out of the inning. Uh, the Giants are two and a half games back of the D-backs, so they came into that series down three and a half, uh, down, uh, what was it, four and a half? Three and a half. Three and a half. They're, they were down three and a half, and they left uh, only two and a half games back. Uh, and they're half a game in front of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are not going anywhere, folks. So I have a feeling, you know, we're almost halfway into the season. This is going to be a pretty crazy NL West and wild card race because now you get three wild cards. So I think for both races, they're going to be pretty interesting. The Giants just kind of have to hang where they are right now and they're going to be involved. Now they could go off on a crazy run and, and distance themselves, uh, but that's not 
that's not likely. I don't. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe it is. But they're they're just playing so hot right now. Anything can happen. I guess. And I read an interesting stat, which was that entering Sunday, the Giants were twenty four and seventeen against teams that were five hundred or better, and only the Tampa Bay Rays had a better winning percentage against winning clubs. So that actually is a stat that is interesting because of the new scheduling in that uh, Major League Baseball has tried to make a much more even schedule. You're not playing your division so heavily, and thankfully for the Giants because the NL West is rock solid this year, but Giants are also showing that when they play good teams, they're competing and they're winning ball games. So um, that that is a good sign of a winning team, I think. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so the next uh, two segments here, I'll introduce this this next one. Uh, Jarrett Seidler from Baseball America is going to join me. And you know, whenever you get to talk to Somebody who really knows baseball inside and out, knows a little bit about scouting. Uh, He's a prospect writer. Um, Sorry, not Baseball America. uh, Baseball Prospectus. Sorry. That was uh, was my fault. I'm going to have to buy a hat from uh, Baseball Prospectus just because I flubbed and called them Baseball America. My bad, Jarrett. My bad. Don't worry. Jarrett won't even know because he's not going to hear the the open. Uh, But Baseball Prospectus. Uh, He also hosts podcasts. Uh, He tweets a lot. And you can check him out. Uh, on uh, at J-A-S-E-I-D-L-E-R on Twitter. J-A Seidler on Twitter. All right, that is the open here. That is the intro. Let's talk to Jarrett. want to welcome Jarrett Seidler to the show, baseball prospectus senior writer. And this is a very heavy time for you because of all the things that are going on in your world. And I just saw earlier this morning, Kyle Harrison and Carson Wisenhunt for the Giants are, they've been selected to the futures game. And the, I think the giant, the current giant fan base right now, there's been some payoff for us. I'll, I'll include myself because when Farhan Zaidi took the reins, the idea was we're following this blueprint that he's, you know, that that he's been a part of for these different teams. And it is to draft very well and to grow these prospects very well. And I think the first like three years into his reign, Giants fans were like, what, where is it? Like <laughs> what's happening? You know, it's sort of like, um, uh, are, are you a are you a Ted Lasso fan? I am, yes. So it's like, it's like uh, the Wonder Kid, right? It's yeah. like he, you know, that Farhan come in like in just this reputation of prospects, and we're gonna have good drafts, and it, and it didn't happen. Now some of that was he was also he also took over for the last previous couple drafts, and Joey Bart was in that draft, and and Joey Bart kind of gets. He shouldn't be a part of the, the Zaidi regime, but he kind of gets uh, put in that in that category. And, you know, he's he's having a, a horrendous season. I, I saw his numbers in AAA and he's like swinging through everything. But now we're starting to see some returns on Farhan's investments and three main prospects and not even the Giants tippy tippy top prospects have come up to the big club. And are part of what I like to call sort of hum baby 2.0, which is in the late 80s, the Giants became a very fun team based off of the backs of Will Clark and Robbie Thompson and Matt Williams and guys like that who came up through the farm system. So this is kind of a little bit of a, recrea- a re- recreation of that, though I don't know that anybody is uh, as great of a prospect as Will Clark was in, in yeah. 1980, you know, in 1985, 1986. But, um, what, like what? What have you thought about? Like, did you think like they were gonna bring or have to bring like multiple guys up at the same time? It seems like you would maybe want one because because now your team is is so rookie heavy uh, in in major key positions uh, on the field. But what what do you think about what they've done so far with Matos and Bailey and uh, Casey Schmidt? 
So I think Schmidt, it was reasonable to expect he was going to be up this season. He had a nice year last year. Um, he ranked on our top 101 prospects. He has that great defensive ability. You know, he's just a stellar defensive third baseman. Good enough that he can fill in a shortstop. Um, I know he's not hitting a lot right now, but he's hitting like okay-ish. Yeah, they figured um, out that he's chases. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, oh, we're not throwing you strikes anymore. That's kind of an interesting a lot of the top Giants prospects have chase issues, um, just too much swing and miss outside the zone. And I think that might they might be specifically targeting guys with chase issues because one of the more modern player development ideas is you take the guys that make a lot of contact and you take a lot of the guys that do a lot of damage on contact and you can teach them better swing decisions, mm-hmm. you can teach them to uh, chase outside the zone less, to chase in the shadow zone a little bit less, to just swing less in general. Um, so you've got guys like that's true for Schmidt. Um, it's definitely true for Matos. It's true for a lesser extent with Patrick Bailey as well. Um, so that's a, like on the hitting side, their kind of archetype is hitters that make a lot of contact and drive the ball in the air when they do but on the pitching side, they've gotten really into guys with like slightly funky deliveries. Um, one of the things we've learned about pitching in the last few years is that those like almost like the Chris Salish, like low mm-hmm. recorder sidearm type arm slots, which prior to the last 10 years, those guys almost all ended up in relief. Those guys are starting to start now. And that describes Wisden Hunt, that describes Harrison, um, that describes some other pitchers they've taken that have worked out a little less well. Um, but they've kind of, so they brought these three guys up and Schmidt, I think is on a relatively normal timetable. Bailey and Matos were both coming off awful seasons yes. last year. Yes. Um, Bailey basically hadn't hit since he got drafted, like, at all. He looked, I'm sure you guys were making Joy Bar jokes about him. Oh, yeah. It looked like the same thing. Well, you um, know, the one caveat there, though, is they they said that his defense was good enough already, yeah. Yeah. and it was just the hit thing. And, I, you know, if, if we go back 20 years uh, – you remember JT Snow. I do. Yeah. JT Snow came to the Giants as a switch hitter, and he switch hit for his career, but he was so poor as a right-handed hitter later in his career, they just stopped having him hit against lefties. And so we sort of heard the same thing about Bailey in that his right-handed swing was going to be the problem, but it's kind of flipped since he got in the majors. Like he's hit, I think he's hit more home runs right-handed so far in his big league stay than, than even left-handed. Yeah. It's kind of a tiny sample. He's also like his, he's making a lot more contact and harder contact than he made really at any level of the minors. Um, I know these, the major league stats are a lot easier to find than the minor league stats, but we have some availability to get the minor league stats on like background. And over his first, I think he's got like a hundred, 110 plate appearances. He's just making, he's making a lot of contact. He's making a lot of hard contact. Um, he's not really walking too much. So he's not really getting on base, but this is, those are the types of things that you wanted to see from him out of college. This mm-hmm. guy was the top half of the first round draft pick, you know, a, college catcher was one of the best hitters in college baseball and then just kind of got into a pro ball and didn't hit the ball all that hard and didn't make a whole lot of contact there's a um john sickles who was a top prospect writer like decades ago basically found is like the patron saint of like internet prospect guys uh, <laughs> great guy too he's he stopped writing a few years ago he had some uh uh, I think he had like a traumatic brain injury or something. Oh. It's very sad. Um, he's still around though. Great guy. He coined a term called young catcher offensive stagnation syndrome, which is that catchers in particular, due to the rigors of the position and the rigors of development and just taking a beating back there, tend to have really weird offensive paths where they just kind of stagnate for a couple of seasons. And then sometimes it gets together later. It's not their paths tend to be much less linear than your outfielder or your infielder just because of the nature of the catching position. Mm-hmm. I think that might have described what Bailey looked like in the minors for the last couple of years. It just kind of stagnated, and now he's just kind of there. And um, I don't think he's actually like a 300 hitter with like a 500 slugging percentage, but he looks like a starting catcher right yeah. now, and that's, you know, and they that don't was... they don't put a lot of pressure on him. He's hitting lower yeah. in the order. Yeah. He's not having to to sit hit you know three four five. He's so he's yeah. you know they're, they're doing they're doing that okay with him because yeah. you know he's and he and he's getting some timely hits and 
you know, he's looking smart in certain situations because of how they're using him. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any pressure for him. But being that you said, you know, the the prospect, he was was in the the upper half there of of the draft, there was a little bit of pressure on him. And I think there was more pressure on him when Joey Bart started playing so poorly. And because you're like, okay, like, what do we do? Well, we have this other kid who is down there. And, you know, the Giants talked about, well, you know, you just draft the best player. We thought the catcher was the best player. And because fans were like, why do we have two catchers in the last yeah. three drafts? And this is why. Yeah, when, when he was drafted, people were genuinely curious, like what other position is he going to end up playing? Is he going to play in third base, right field, somewhere like that? First base, are you going to end up dh one of them? Those tend to be problems that sort itself out, especially with catchers, because you just you need a lot of them to end up with one good starter. Um, it's just a position where there's so much, uh, so much stagnation. Uh, you know, you look at the Dodgers just keep drafting and developing catchers, even though they have Will Smith, who's probably the best catcher in baseball now. Not to mention the hated Dodgers on here, but you know, it's always a position that you want to have. An excellent, excellent player. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps getting better, too. Like, he's eliminated his swing and miss this year. It's just wild. Um, But, yeah, it's a position where you just – you need to get – you know, you need to have inventory of several high-end prospects to hope you end up with one good starter, which it looks like Bailey has a shot to be. And then Luis Matos, who's the third guy here, is just – he was – we had him in the top 50 prospects in baseball before the 2022 season. Um, He looked like – you know, he looked like he was going to be a star and pretty quickly, you know, kind of a guy that's able to do anything. Again, has some chase outside his own problems. He had a quad injury early in the 2022 season, and his season just never got started. Yeah. He just yeah. didn't He didn't hit anything. He was almost so bad that you, like, wanted to throw it out just because it couldn't possibly be a representative performance. Um, and that's basically what happened. I mean, he came back. He started, he makes like an extraordinary amount of contact. He's one of the best, he has one of the best bat to, when he's healthy and right, which he has been this season. He has one of the best bat to ball abilities of any prospect. And now that he's in the major leagues, he's running, you know, 89% in zone contact rate, which is high. Um, so he's putting the bat on the ball all the time and he's capable of driving it in the air. He really hasn't done that in the majors yet, but he's, you know, the, he's got the same issue where he's just chasing a whole lot. I know he had that really cool home run. He had his first home run the other night. It was yeah. a really cool moment. Um, I, that guy's got a chance to be a star. He also plays a really, really nice center field, too. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, he's, he's just kind of got everything except he needs to chase a little less. And the early returns on him this year, he is chasing less than he did. Um, so he's not really hitting the ball very hard yet, but he, he's on to the majors a little bit. He's, you know, that's going to come. But this was a guy that, you know, I don't think there was really much thought coming into the season that he was even like in the picture. Yeah. Um, just because he was, you know, he was at, he was just awful last year. He was awful in high A. It wasn't like he was awful in triple A. He's awful right. two levels below the majors. Um, you know, the guy hit 210 last year in the low minors. And now all of a sudden we're talking two and a half months of baseball later and he's in the majors and putting up a perfectly credible offensive performance, which is really a credit to him. And it's also a credit to, to the player development at stake here, um, which this is, I think this is the fourth season of Zaidi. Is that the third or the fourth? Somewhere in there. Um, I think it's it, the, I think it's the fourth. Yeah, I think it's the fourth. It takes that long to actually turn over this stuff and get your guys in place. Usually it takes the seat. By the time a general manager is hired over the winter, the contracts for the scouting and player development staff for the next year have already kind of been settled. Um, So you're not really turning over and getting your guys in place until the second season. And then after that, you've got to get your processes and your, coaches and your instruction and all that stuff in place you got to start actually drafting the guys this tends to lag by four or five seasons um until you actually see the results of like a super process oriented team especially kind of coming from where the giants came from look i you know brian sabian's one of the all-time great baseball executives but he just had no interest in this sort of thing (laughs) yeah um and you know 
God bless him. He won three World Series there, and he he was phenomenal at the old school kind of scout and you know develop under the old ways. That doesn't really work in 2023 anymore. We know too much other stuff. But you know, starting from a lower spot on the infrastructure, you've got to get all of the scouting, the analytics, the player development personnel in place, and then you've got to create your processes. And that's going to take a couple of years from there for this stuff to actually start showing up. You know, they took. Um, Carson Wisenhunt, you mentioned, was a kid they took in the second round last year. He had uh, a drug suspension in college, um, came into the season as one of the top pitching prospects, did not pitch particularly well in the Cape Cod League, which was the only place he pitched that year. They took a shot on him in the late second round, and he's probably going to make our midseason 50. Like He looks like one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in the game now, pretty much out of nowhere. Um right behind Kyle Harrison, who's also one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in the game. And I assume is probably going to be up pretty soon joining the three other guys. Um, he's had some walk problems in AAA and it's kind of a weird profile because he's like super fastball dominant mm -hmm. and that kind of like funky arm action. But Hey, that's actually working these days for uh pitchers. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is a significant youth movement. It's kind of got, a lot of guys with the same traits and they're still acquiring a lot of those guys with the same traits as they move on. And, you know, it's hard because the Dodgers in the same division are basically doing the same thing. They have like an eight year head start and more money. So you're always going to have kind of that weird comparison <laughs> point, but you know, the giants are getting there. I certainly consider the giants, you know, they're moving into like that top eight to 10 of teams in terms of, player development, drafting, scouting, which is a breakthrough from where they were previously. They were probably mid-pack previously. So I, the, the funny thing about Wizenhunt is, so his his was a PED failure, right? I believe so. I don't know if that was ever officially announced because it was a college thing, but yeah. I th so I think it was a PED failure. You know who else had a PED failure in the minors was Logan Webb. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you kind of... Barry, Barry Bonds is like, don't be blaming me, guys. <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. So It's kind uh, of weird how little that's become stigma. Like, nobody ever mentions that, like, Starling Marte had a PED failure anymore. Like, the only guy who gets tagged with it now is Tatis for whatever reason. My favorite uh, one, my favorite, favorite, favorite one of all time was Manny Ramirez who didn't get caught for actual testosterone. He got caught because he had to reverse the testosterone yes, to restart yes, it. Yes. So he was taking uh, a, a drug that uh, dudes don't necessarily yes, take. Yes, yes. And so it, it kind of reversed it for him. But that, that's my favorite one because yes. he didn't get caught for the the actual steroids he got caught for yeah. trying to get off of the actual steroids. So, yeah. Um, a couple other things uh, with, with some of the, other, obviously, you know, Marco Luciano has been the guy for yeah. this franchise as far as who is next. Now he was injured last year. Yeah. He, he came into this season and they had to give him some time off because I don't think he was fully recovered. And he has struggled. He's had some streaks of like just hitting the hell out of the ball and then streaks of like not hitting uh, very well. Like when you see somebody like that where you're like, okay, you know, three years ago, this guy had, you know, X, Y, and Z written all over him. And now as he grows through the system, he's starting to struggle. But then you know the injury is also part of it. How do you weigh the injury with guys like, Luciano, because back injury doesn't sound good for like a young, big, you know, tall kid who's supposed to be playing shortstop or yeah. third base eventually. That cuts both ways, right? Because it's an excuse for the performance and it's a legitimate valid excuse as to why he maybe hasn't been so good lately, why he struggled. But it's also we're now talking about almost a year of like recurring back problems, which um, I 
Yeah. The average listener of your podcast, I'm guessing, is probably in like their 30s or older. Right? Yeah, oh, you know? I'm sure. Once you start getting the back pain, it doesn't go away, right? <laughs> like it's just kind of once the back problems start, they just keep recurring. You're like, um, you're like uh, you search up like Pilates, yes, and yes, yes. <laughs> you like stretching, and yes. Yeah. So like chronic back problems that start affecting the performance are a pretty significant red flag when evaluating the future potential um luciano is still an interesting prospect he was kind of a weird um a weird case so to speak event initially because he was one of the guys where a lot of his best exploits were like stuff at like the alternate site during the pandemic like it wasn't in like actual game competition um so he kind of just and he never really until the last um, maybe years, so actually probably even less, um, until the back injury started, he hadn't really done anything to dissuade us from continuing to rank him highly, but it was always like one of those rankings where he was a level below the top tier guys. Like he was in like the second tier of prospects because he had never really dominated a level in the way that you'd hope he'd, there's always a little more swing and miss, a little less hit tool, uh, so it's kind of like a power-based profile. And then the back injuries start. He's an unclear fit defensively. I think probably a third baseman eventually. So he's kind of getting – he's almost, He's not like totally getting passed up. He's still probably the third or fourth best prospect in the system um, pending who they draft. But, you know, I think Harrison's pretty clearly a better prospect at this point. Um, I think Wisenhunt's probably a better prospect at this point so you kind of he's still in the mix like if we ran I don't know that he's going to make the midseason 50s like in the mix for like the bottom few spots just kind of based on what he's done previously and based on the amount of damage he can do because when this guy gets a hold of he's he's got he puts up like those you know 113 114 115 exit velocity really hits it like he is capable of hitting the ball that hard and I, he's still capable of hitting the ball that hard. There's just less certainty that he's actually going to hit it often enough to be too much of an issue. It's just, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it sucks. I hate talking about guys that get hurt and start to have skill degradation probably is um, a result of the injury because it just, it sucks. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Now, the Giants have this interesting uh, set of outfield prospects. Um, you know, in most conversations, one is right next to the other in uh, Grant McRae and Vaughn Brown. Now, Vaughn Brown, he is already 25, and he's still only in in double a so there's always a, a question and, you know some of the stuff with the pandemic you know i know that that threw a lot of guys uh out of whack but uh you know the giants with with matos i think you know we, when we were talking about brad and i were talking about like 
Giants prospects who actually became starting outfield players. Like you had to go back, you know, for like a consistent player. Like I, we were trying to figure, we was like Chili Davis in 1983 or something like this, like some crazy yeah. stat, right? That yeah. they, they just didn't have any homegrown outfielders now. You know, Matos is up and, you know, crossing my fingers that, you know, he, but he's still so young. He's 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. But these are the next two guys on the list of, uh, uh, uh of most of the, of, of the lists that I'm seeing. Yeah. And they're, you know, more speedy. They're not these giant home run hitters. They're more gap power. Uh, and what do you think about these two guys as far as, could the Giants, you know, in the next two years, get another guy come up and, and play uh, for the big team in the outfield spots? I think they've got a chance. Um, we were higher on McCurry. I, I think we might have been higher on Brown coming into this season. Um, but we and both of them were in our top ten. They've both kind of, you know, they've had like okay seasons and they're not yeah. particularly young for the levels that they're playing at. Yeah, Brown's just, not Brown's not really hitting yet. Yeah. Uh, I think he also had some uh he's he's had injury issues. Yeah. I think last year like he he made the jump and then like immediately got injured. And, and, right. Yeah, Grant McCray too. They're they're both hitting right. in the low two hundreds. So right. neither guy are, is really is really taking the next step. Right. These are both guys kind of in the vein of what we were talking about earlier, where it's more damage on contact, but are they going to make enough contact? Are they going to um, walk enough? Um, are they going to, you know, not be overmatched by high minors pitching? Because the high minors are kind of where that sort of thing happens. Um, the Giants have taken a, pr other than Matos, who um, was kind of a need at the major league level, the Giants actually have taken a pretty conservative promotional attack with their um, hitting prospects in particular, which is actually pretty common for um, more analytical teams. There's mm -hmm. an idea that you want to get uh, your prospects, even if they're college guys, um, even if they're four-year college guys as opposed to three-year college guys, you want to get them hundreds of plate appearances at every level you want to get them you know 400 plate appearances in the low minors and then you want to get them 600 plate appearances in the high minors and if you start ticking that off you can end up with a 25 year old at double a because he just hasn't hit the developmental benchmarks yet um brown i think was a senior sign um if i recall correctly uh that signed for a relatively low amount of money uh so he, you know, if you're starting your pro career at 22, your first full season 23, or and they're not promoting you like super duper fast, you're going <laughs> to end up being that in the minors. They're kind of like they're interesting, um, you know, interesting kind of power speed type combos. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not. Neither one of those guys right now clearly projects as major league regular. What I what I will say. Um, and my friend Rob Orr at BP has written about this specifically with the Giants. Um, the Giants have gotten very good at maximizing individual traits and kind of running these flawed type of players out in like these wacky platoon roles that aren't always left-right platoon. Sometimes it's like whether the pitcher has good fastball character, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, platooning based on pitch types. Um and the Giants seem to be, if not the top team at doing that, then one of the top teams. And guys like Brown and McCray are the types of prospects that they might be able to get more out of in a three or 400 plate appearance role than, right. say, I'm a Mets fan. Buck Showalter's at best going <laughs> to platoon these guys based on lefty-righty. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. So, you know kind of they're well positioned to maximize the hitting abilities that these guys do end up uh, providing at the major league level, um, even if they're not like full regulars. Right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it is, you know, the way that the giants use their roster, um, you know, the, there's, there's guys who are having to play, you know, new positions, even without a lot of uh, experience in the majors, like Brett wisely has had to come up and play center field, a little bit for them and he's not you know he he's been, he's been a middle infielder for his career so they're trying to find interesting ways and uh, you know at the same time minimize at least some of the risk of putting these guys in spots that they're they're not comfortable with but that is an interesting idea i never you know 
you don't really think of it that way, but yeah, the answer could be, yeah, you know, McCray could be a big leaguer, but he's not, he, he's going to be a big leaguer in, in the way of how they use, you know, so, some of their, some of their guys in like, like in the lefty righty situations where you get 400 plate appearances instead of 600. That's yeah. an interesting way to look at it. Okay. Last thing I want to ask you about. So last year, the giants drafted Reggie Crawford to I guess be a two-way player. I'm still sort of unsure about the realistic. He's uh, a pitcher. Yeah, he's a pitcher. I mean, that's what it seems like. But yeah. then, but then you hear them talk, and I'm sure some of it is because he probably wants to to do it more than than they may want to allow him. But you know that he he has actually hit in 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 games and such. And I just didn't know how realistic that that would that would be for for somebody like uh, like him. So there's no harm in him doing it at this level, right? Like he's he was on uh, Tommy John rehab, um, so I think they let him DH like a handful of games. And yeah, he was, he was like a interesting hitting prospect. He was like a couple rounds lower as a hitting prospect than a pitching prospect. Um, that's you know that's not uncommon. Uh, Paul Skeens from LSU coming into this season was a two way player at Air Force for a couple of years, and he was. You know, he's going to go on the top two picks almost certainly as a pitcher. And as a hitting prospect, he was like a late first, early second round type guy. So they mm-hmm. basically confiscated his bat. He's just a pitcher now. <laughs> um, but you have to buy in from the player to do that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, they've got him mostly focused on pitching. He's popped up a little bit lately. Um, he, they let him hit a little bit. I don't think him as a two-way player is a particularly serious um, proposition. I think he's basically just going to be a pitcher. But there's no there's no harm in letting him hit for a while. The Reds let Hunter Green hit for a while, and he was the number two overall draft pick, and obviously a very good major league pitcher. Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was drafted as a two-way, and he hit for I think the first season, and then it was just like, yeah, you're actually a pitcher. Yeah, you throw 100 and meet three miles an hour, just go take, <laughs> yeah. take the bump. Yeah, just um, fascinating guy. That guy, he's, yeah, he's fascinating pitcher, fascinating guy. Uh, hey, thank you for helping me out this week. You know, uh, no Brad means that I tried to, you know, I, I wanted to talk to some folks who I haven't been able to talk to in a little bit, you being one of them. And it was a lot of fun. I, you know, it's, it's, it's great because with the way the internet works, you know, you and I meet not even related to baseball. Yep. And yet, you know, we can circle back and do this and, and talk about baseball. So it's, it's fascinating how, how you can network and meet with people. So I really appreciate you making the time. You're a busy dude. Uh, but how can, uh, how can people support you? Uh, you know what I'm going to do? Um, I think I'm going to buy a, you got, you guys have a store, right? I think I'm going to buy a hat. So I'm always looking for more hats to wear on podcasts just to change it up. I think I'm going to buy a baseball prospectus hat. We, we do have some cool hats on there. Um, my Twitter is at J.A. Seidler, S-E-I-D-L-E-R. As Garrett can attest to, my Twitter is an absolute disaster. I just <laughs> randomly rant about everything on the planet, so I don't actually suggest that people um, follow me there. Um, I do a, I think we call it a Mets-adjacent podcast uh, with my friend Jeffrey Paranastro, who's the lead prospect writer at BP. Um, we do that weekly. It's called For All You Kids Out There. Um, we have a Patreon that I you know, has uh, has uh, some supporters, I think. And that's a hard um, business, huh? The Patreon's yeah. a hard business. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like, there. it's like almost like, we almost like use it like a tip jar kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, and and you, yeah. that's that's totally fine to do that too. Yeah. Um, so that podcast is also a disaster. We regularly go like two, three hours just talking about absolutely nothing and everything <laughs> on the planet. It's basically just like our weekly BS sessions that we'd have anyway on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're just recording them. Uh, so we talk. Mets baseball, baseball at large, talk a little wrestling occasionally. Um, just random. Jeffrey talks about European soccer occasionally. It's just a complete, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about Forbidden Door this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my writing is 99.9% at Baseball Prospectus. I have not been doing a lot recently because we're gearing up for our draft top 25 and our midseason top 50, both of which will be out in the next three-ish weeks. Um, so we're kind of just trying to get everything together to – do rankings and I'll have some supporting material with that. But you know, yeah, baseball prospectus, we've got a ton of great writers over there. We've got great prospect content. We um we have a 
at least one Tim pack every week where we have 10 scouting reports. Um, we have very thorough coverage of the giant system because we have uh, several people there on the West Coast, including Mark DeLucci, who's. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark writes about Giants prospects for us. So um, occasionally some other prospects. And Mark's great. I, I think he's one of the best up and coming uh, baseball writers around. So we have a lot of coverage of the Giants system just because we have uh, a lot of people at their affiliates. So we pretty frequently have Giants scouting reports on there, too. Awesome. No, that's great. Uh, yeah. So thanks. Thanks again for, for doing this. Go support uh, Jarrett. I, like I said, I'm a, I think I'm going to buy a hat from uh, from the shop there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the next segment, uh, we will preview Giants and Toronto Blue Jays. All right, and to wrap this show up, I wanted to bring on a good friend of mine who I don't get to talk real sports. Actually, we do get to talk MMA, yeah. so I, I take that back. But Paul Fontaine, he does a couple of podcasts uh, for the Fight Game Media Network. One on professional wrestling and one on mixed martial arts. But we're going to talk about another of his passions, which is the Blue Jays, because he watches uh, just about more baseball than anybody I know. What's up, man? Uh, not much. It's off day today, so I feel like I've got all the time in the world. I, I, li- I literally watch every single game. Now, if it's a blowout, I might skip through the, um, the opposing teams at bat. You know, like, because I usually watch on a delay, but I will watch every single at bat for the Blue Jays, uh, every game. That's and, good. Because uh, I'm going to yeah. ask you, I'm going to ask you about some of these players. Sure. Yeah. 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 I'm, oh. I'm ready with some stats and some, <laughs> and some uh, you know, probable pitchers and all that stuff. I think I'm, I'm prepared for anything you ask me. So the Giants, they head to Toronto starting yeah. Tuesday. And uh, there's a, a three game series. So uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night and thursday night and then you guys uh then uh i think then then the the do, do the red sox come into town something yep. like that yeah next weekend so, big canada so Day weekend big series the giants are, are playing some really good baseball are you, do you guys uh, have the best record in in mlb since like may 15th or something like that yeah they're like they're on like a 111 game win pace nice. for a season if you know you excluded like yeah. the first month or whatever but um, you know, a formidable opponent for for the Blue Jays, the Giants, and the Blue Jays record wise, not too dissimilar. Uh, you guys are uh, in fourth place in the AL East, which says a lot to the division in which you play in, because Tampa started so hot and they're still playing; they're still winning every two out of three games. Baltimore, surprisingly to some, maybe not not so much to others, Baltimore is still playing really good baseball. And then the Yankees, the Yankees are just going to hang around. They, they're a good franchise. They have good talent. Uh, mm-hmm. But you guys are, you, you guys are only half a game behind the Yankees. And, you know, so this is where the, the third wild card comes in. I imagine that you guys will be fighting for that third wild yeah. card pretty much down to the uh, end of the season. But overall, like, what would your outlook be with, you know, we're almost, ha- are we halfway done with, with the season? Almost, we're almost, almost halfway think. done. 78 games, I think. Um, I, uh, the general consensus is, is that people are pretty disappointed with the Blue Jays so far. And I think a lot of that has to do with their record in the AL East. Um, I don't have it up in front of me right now, but the last time I remember I saw it, I think they were like 10 games under 500 against AL East opponents. And then mm. against the rest of baseball, they're something, you know, they're like 16 games over. I think they have the second best record in major league baseball against non-divisional opponents. And they have the third worst record against divisional opponents. So, you know, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a just a murderer's row division that they're in. The 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 Orioles, I mean, they they came on last year. They were like right in the playoff hunt until about a month left in the season. And then they kind of fell off. And and this year they're just kind of picking up from there. Adley Rutschman is just like and, you know, and they had they have prospects that are coming up still and their their bullpen is lights out you know the last two innings uh cologne and batista i think it is um and uh, yeah so i those are that's a team i just hate facing and then the blue jays just can't beat tampa like they've never you know they go down to tampa and they lose doesn't matter if the rays suck 
they lose and especially now when they win like they're, they're great but i'm really looking forward to this series um oakland was just in in toronto and you get beat up on the a's a little bit yeah yeah i mean we should have won the whole series they they gave up a ninth inning home run in in the first game and they lost that game but they won the last two last yesterday was 12-1 vlad guerrero is finally out of a slump he's he got his first home run at Rogers center on uh, friday <laughs> like I, I mean for the whole season like it's ridiculous so he's and got 10 back. home runs on the road and one home run at home i think he's well, he's up to 11 now because uh, he got another one yesterday okay so but um and and like danny jansen who's like their backup catcher has the same had the same amount of home runs as him i think i think vlad pulled ahead now but um yeah he's he's just but he's still like you know he's putting up vladdy numbers he's gonna end up with you know, 25 to 30 home runs and yeah. 100 RBIs. So, so he's fine. Boba Shat slides out. Um, yeah, that, that's shows. the that's the one that that yeah. stands out when you look at the numbers for mm-hmm. the Blue Jays. Boba Shet's season, uh, he's going to make the All Star team. Oh yeah, he's uh, the the he's got the most hits in in MLB over the last three years. I think he's led the American League the last two years before this, and he's leading again this year. Um, cause he, you know, he's usually second Springer leads off, but Bichette's usually second in the lineup and, and he doesn't walk. <laughs> so he's like, you know, he yeah, just, the, he's just the, a hit for machine. his batting average, the on base isn't mm-hmm. necessarily too much higher, but yeah. Uh, but still, when you can hit 320, you know, you you don't really need to walk that much because you're getting no. on base by just... No, I know what the standard it. rule is you take 60 points off the on-base, and that's like your true batting average. But I don't think that fits for Bichette because he's just... And he's like a machine. What you want to watch for him, if you guys, you know, your Giants fans haven't seen him, he hits to the opposite field, like more than anyone in baseball. I think over half his hits are to, are to the opposite field this season. So that's something to watch out for. So I want to talk about two old friends. For <laughs> I see one right the there. Giants. <laughs> uh, one of those old friends, I believe, is starting Tuesday. So this podcast will be up Tuesday morning. Video will yeah. be up Monday night. Uh, Kevin Gossman. Now, when when you you were you and I were talking about Kevin Gossman last year, my read on Gossman was he's going to have a lights out first half and the second half he's getting a little tired he's going to falter he didn't really falter that much last year i thought no. he he pitched pretty consistently all season and then you know he's having another really good first half so so good for gossman you know that's one of the things that giants fans you know with this uh this farhan zaidi regime the the idea is like they don't really give uh deals to starting pitchers like long long deals to to, to starting pitchers and and Gossman's whole point about leaving was that the Giants didn't even offer him a contract. And I think the consensus with Giants fans is that they knew that you know if, if you could get a multi-year deal, Giants weren't going to offer you one, so you might as well just go go and take it. So I don't think there's any like there's no frustration with Giants fans over Gossman getting the money that he got because you know that that's what you're that's what you're there for. You're there to build up you know, this, this resume so that you can make some money in your late twenties, early thirties. And that's exactly what he did. And he's, I mean, he's pitching like an ace. He's, he's, he's doing really well for you guys. So that is something that I sort of expected it to not work out as well, but man, he's, he's been great for you guys. Yeah. He's, I think he's leading the American league in strikeouts, um, seven and three. Um, He's got two, I think two of the three most, like the most pitches, of any player, like any game, I, you know, he's hit like a hundred over 120 a couple of times. Um, so I know you say that that's probably going to come back and bite him in the ass later in the season, but so far so good. Uh, last season, he had a great season. And then like in the, um, in the playoffs, this, the deciding game, he Jays were up eight, one and they pulled him with the bases loaded in the sixth. And then they, the reliever just, just, they just poured gas on the fire and they ended up blowing the lead. But, you know, and a lot of people were really pissed off that they should have kept him in. And, and they just come back this year and he's been strong and they've needed it because Alec Manoa, <laughs> uh, I mean, he just fell apart and he's yeah. like in Dunedin right now, um, you know, trying to find his, his pitching arm, but you know, they got, yeah, you, we got our three best pitchers, I think are coming up in this series. Uh, Chris Bassett and um, Jose Barrios, who's, you know, making a comeback. He had a real off year last year, but he's, he's real strong this year. Seven, seven inning or seven or eight innings in this last start, I think, and only gave up two hits. So yeah, he's, he's been strong. And even Yosuke Kikuchi has, uh, has been good. 
last yeah, night. You, you guys have four starters. Yeah. All have started 16 games, which yeah. shows the consistency there. And, and then Manoa had started 13, but yeah. And uh, Trevor Richards uh, kind of comes in and pitches, you know, like four innings and then, and then they turn it over the bullpen when during Manoa's start, although there's talk that he's, he might be back uh, mid, mid July. Um, you know, things are going well in Dunedin and even uh, Hyunjin Ryu is, oh, uh, wow. yeah, he's, he's looking to come back. Everyone thought he was going to be done because he had Tommy John last year, but uh, he's, he's coming along and they're expecting him in August. So they, they'll, they may have six starters. At, so at the giants point. are giants are scheduled to start an opener on Tuesday. So okay. they'll have, you know, a short arm followed by a middle innings guy and, and try and handle uh, the blue Jays uh, that way. And then, but then you guys do get, uh, I think Logan Webb, who's the Giants' best starter. I think he starts Wednesday, and then TBD for uh, for both currently for for Thursday, as far as I can tell. But uh, the other person I wanted to talk about, the, the old captain. What does he call himself this year? What, what well, is the MVP? Yeah, is that what he called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The fan, the uh, the fans, the players chant MVP every time he goes back to the dugout. I he had the great line when uh, he was second in the DH voting for the All Star game, and he says that's so, how you know fans are stuffing the ballot box because yeah. I'm not number one. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, mean, I was wondering how he was going to play because there was no more polarizing player for the giants than Brandon belt in this, really? this run of championships. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So Brandon belt, uh, he was, you know, he wasn't a number one pick. He was, I think he was maybe a second or third round or fourth round pick, but he came up with Brandon Crawford, you know, early two thousands. And so he's part of this, uh, you know, the, this rejuvenation of, you know, the late sort of the post Barry Bonds here. So Lincecum and Madison Bumgarner, Brandon belt, is part of that. He he was not on the the very first World Series team, but he was on the the next two. And the fans did not like his batting essentially his batting eye because he takes a lot of pitches, yeah, strikes out a lot, walks a lot. And so, you know, a lot of fans are like, why is he taking this called third strike? What the hell? You know, why is <laughs> why is he so inconsistent? He's just a streaky guy. He's just like when he's on you can't get him out, and when he's off, he cannot even make contact with a fastball. Like it's just, it's kind of crazy how streaky he is. So, to Giants fans, that you know, they want Will the thrill. They want that consistency of the clutch guy who's up, and you can depend on him. And and so they kind of put put Belt into Will's shoes, and that's just not who Brandon is. And you know, I, I sent you a stat the other day. Yeah, uh, most st- most games started by first baseman in Giants, was- San Francisco Giants history. Brandon Belt's number two behind Willie McCovey. I was shows shocked. You, yeah, which yeah. shows you the longevity. So I was just interested to see how he would play because he does have this goofy, dry wit personality. And the fans who loved Belt, they really did love him. But he was also a slight turnoff to the fans who were frustrated by his inconsistencies. Uh, and so, you know, when I see the, the stuff about the MVP, I just kind of wonder, okay, how many of these Blue Jays fans are, are really rolling their eyes and how many of them are, are really leaning into the fun of it. I, I think it's more the former uh, with him. I don't think it's quite caught on yet because the, the Jays have their favorites. Obviously Vlad and Bo, you know, are, are going to be the big favorites and Springer is just, he's got that electric personality. And when he gets a hit, he just brings the whole team on. And Kevin Kiermeyer has, is mm-hmm. a real fan favorite, like just, you know, with the spectacular catches and timely hits and stuff like that. But Belt is like low key, like his. I was just looking at his stats, and like it's crazy. Like you mentioned the strikeouts, yeah. And he's, he's seventy two a lot already. He leads the team. No, he's second on the team in strikeouts, even though he's only got half the at bats of some of the regulars. And but yet his OPS is almost eight hundred. Yep. You know, and he's got the highest on base percentage of anyone on the team with more than one hundred fifty at bats. So I mean, it's. Like it's ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, he's got that eye and he'll take a call, you know, third strike if he thinks it's out. And usually like, I mean, I don't know how accurate those little boxes they put on the screen mm-hmm. are, but he's usually right. Yeah. You know, yeah. but sometimes they don't give him a call, but he'll take those close pitches and, oh, okay. I struck out and he doesn't really bitch about it. Like he just goes back and not like, not like a lot of players. So I really like him a lot, Um, you know, and, and he's been hurt a couple times. So he's only played, 
about two thirds of the games, I guess. But uh, you know, he, he gives Vladdy a day off at first, about twice a week, and then he DHs. Uh, him and Kirk will will split the DH. Alejandro Kirk will split the DH's spot when uh, when Vladdy's playing first. So, yeah, there will be a time. I, I don't know when it will be, but he will all of a sudden hit. You know, seven home runs in you know in three weeks he's had a couple of stretches like that like where he hit like 500 for like i think like for three weeks or something like that like yeah with a couple home runs and like 10 rbis or something so but, but with the jays like they just um they they're they do everything by the book so like it doesn't matter how hot you are if you're scheduled to be off that day you're off like they're just they don't play by feel they're just they got some computer in in the front office the and, analytics and he, the, absolutely yeah. yeah john schneider is the manager and he's a puppet <laughs> but you know it works for them uh so belt uh i i would i would I, w- I wonder you know as the as these guys get a little bit older and you have this universal dh i do wonder how many teams he's just gonna bounce to bounce you know bounce to all these different teams until the end of his career uh, but the injury thing is going to be an issue with him mm-hmm. uh he's got the bulky knee uh he had also like some of the worst luck with injuries um, he got hit r- on the side of the head in in uh, warmups. Like he wasn't looking, and someone threw a ball at him and blasted him side of the head. So he's had concussion issues for that. Uh, but I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm such a fan of his. I leaned into the goofiness, and I leaned into a lot of the hate from the fans. And you know, uh, people who know me know that I have like a bunch of graphics of him. You know, yeah. in, in different yeah. poses and stuff. You posted those. I, I got a kick out of that. <laughs> I didn't but tell uh, yeah. if you actually were into it or if you were just doing it um, ironically. But well, it, nice it, it kind of started ironically. But yeah. there's a you know the the hardcore belt fans. They you know they're they're really into him and and I I just I'm just a fan. I, I always Ho- always hopefully he ends up going back there. You know, from what you're saying, it sounds like that would be fun. Like maybe for his last season, you know, just you know play like 30 games or something and yeah. retire as a giant. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to to have that, but then you'll go uh, into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Giants, Giants will probably put him on their wall, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Because well, so- yeah, I mean, second, I mean, yeah, second most games at first base, and that team's been around for over a hundred years. Well, like, so, so. He, here's the here's the discussion. What what the discussion really is is about who's going to get a statue, because the Giants have statues of Mays, McCovey, Cepeda. Marichelle, Gaylord Perry. There might be one other that I we we talked about this when I was in San Francisco, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. So uh, Linscombe? So you, you got there's there's Linscombe. Yeah. There's Bonds. Well, Bonds should get one, but the, there's yeah. There's uh Matt Kane and you know, there's Brandon Crawford, who's probably in his last season. So there are guys like that where you're like, hmm, who gets the statue and who doesn't? Because coming out of the three championships, I don't think anybody is going to get into the Hall of Fame until Buster Posey. And he will obviously get a statue. Yeah. But who's um, your big guy? Who's your big guy now? Like, um, is it uh, like Crawford? No, Crawford is uh, Crawford is really struggling. Unfortunately, okay. he's having a really poor season. It, it, they, I mean, he actually got benched uh, for a rookie, at, mm. at the, uh, you know, because the rookie was hot. I would say the Giants' best player is probably someone who's a little under the radar. I think to the the national uh, media, I would say their two best players, at least offensively are under the radar to the national media. Uh, J.D. Davis, who plays third base, and uh, Tyro Estrada, who plays second base. Tyro Estrada is a former Mets farmhand, and I think he was out of options, and the Mets uh, just wanted to get something for him rather than DFA him, so they traded him to the Giants, and Tyro has been great. Tyro, he, he's tapered off a little bit, but at, at one point, I thought he would be you know, one of the guys. If the Giants get more than one, uh, to the all-star game. Cause I think Camilo Duvall is probably going to make the team just cause he's, uh, he's, he's pretty cl- good, good uh, closer, but Tyro would be the other one that I thought, but his batting average has come down a little bit, but um, they have Michael Conforto who they picked up and, you know, the giants famously have these contracts where they, they it's like a one and one. It's like, 
They, you know, Conforto missed all of last season because of his arm problems. And so they signed him to a two-year deal. But what it really is, is it's a one-and-one. So he's playing this year. And then next year, he can opt out. So if he has a good season, he's opting out. And if he has a crappy season, he's going to opt in. So you, the fans don't really win on this one. <laughs> so it's as... kind of like what you were saying about Gossman, like the same kind of thing, right? Like you, you play well to get a contract somewhere else. That I mean, that that <laughs> pro, that was that was what, what it was yeah. for Gossman for sure. Yeah. Uh, but we, the thing about the Giants is, and what is exciting about this team, is the young players. Yeah. Uh, they have, uh, unfortunately... Uh, their highest draft pick uh, in in quite some time was uh, Joey Bart uh, a few years back, and he's just not developed and like he's not even on this team. They drafted another catcher two years later in the first round, my name is Patrick Bailey, and he's he's the guy right now. He's he's taken over the catch the catching position. He's a rookie. He's uh, only I think he was only he may have been drafted in the. Uh, in, in the COVID year. So I don't even think like he had a real college season in his last year, but, and then you have uh, another prospect, uh, Luis Matos, who was very high in the Giants prospect list, but then last year had a terrible year. And so he fell off of all of the, the prospect list. And now he's up and he's playing every day. So that's really what's fun about this team is you have this mix of like vets uh, vets who will not be here for very long and these young players it's it's like you know you know when you have a prospect and they finally break through and they're not a dud that's like the best thing for fans because you kind of been following them through all of the minors and such too so that's that's really what's carrying this fan base right now and what's keeping the fan base really super optimistic i mean they're playing good baseball but it's that yeah. other piece of like oh we have somebody to root for. Finally, we we can buy a jersey, you know, because <laughs> we're not. We're, you can't. Who who's going to buy a Conforto jersey, knowing that he's going to be gone next year, right? You like you can't really yeah. do it for the fans. So that's really what the fans are super excited about right now. You guys might be in the second toughest division. I was just looking. Yeah, like, you know, no, Arizona D-backs are uh, hot this year. The the interesting thing about the Diamondbacks, and I didn't learn about this stat until recently, is they have a really good schedule against the teams that are under five hundred, and uh, so some of it is sort of just luck of the schedule who you've been playing so far. So they may come down a little bit, but they still have a, a good amount of talent. Obviously, the Dodgers are gonna like if I was to guess what what the standings would look like by the end of the season. I would guess that the Giants are going to be in the same place that they currently are, which is second place, and that the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks would flip-flop. The Dodgers, they, they've had some injury, bad injury luck. They've had uh, issues with you know people who, who they were depending on who just have not. And Walker Bueller hasn't even pitched this year, I don't think. So I think by this time, you know, two months from now, the division will be flipped. And and But I still think the Giants... Diamondbacks, they will still be fighting for for the wild card as as well. But yeah, there's a lot of dog meat teams in the National League. You look at the Central, like the the Reds won like what twelve games in a row or something like that. Yeah, and they, and they still and they still have a, a a negative run differential, and it's it's funny. The only team in the in the NL Central that has a positive run differential is the Cubs, and they're under five hundred. So that just kind of shows you, you know, if you look at all of the all of the the National League, I think you have one great team. That is the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, and then yeah. I think you may have the three next best teams might be in the NL West: Dodgers, Giants, and uh, Diamondbacks. So that's kind of yeah. what they're fighting against. But for you guys, go back to to the Blue Jays before we we check out yeah. of here. Um, the uh, you guys are going to be fighting like i said fighting for that for that wild card but really nl central dog meat and you know the i, I would say the the al west is really solid but solid to the point of where the team that wins the al west might not even be the third best team in the american league like that's you know that's really all, all the it, it could be two of the best teams might be in the american league east before you even get to a team in another division so there's some very intriguing stuff going on. And, and the, so the last question I want to ask, ask you was, what do you think about the more even schedule that we have now where you are not playing the Yankees 
22 times or whatever it was, you're probably playing them like 15 times. Uh, and the Giants as well. Giants don't have to play the Dodgers, you know, all of those times and then get beat up by the Dodgers and then have to try and make up those wins somewhere else. It's more favorable, I think, to middle of the pack teams to to do well when you when you have the scheduling like this. Yeah, it's it's obviously worked out really well for the Blue Jays to not have to play that many teams like those teams as many times this year. Um, and uh, if they make the playoffs, I mean that'll probably be the reason why because I mentioned earlier the record against the AL East, and if they were playing as many times as they have in the previous years with 19 times, they might be under 500. Yeah. So, you know, I think that works out really well for them. Their schedule has been tougher in the first half, and I think it eases up in the second half. And and the, the opposite is true for the Rays. They seem to play the Royals like every weekend. Um, you know, like I don't know exactly how that works, but every time I look, the, the, the Rays are playing somebody that sucks. And the Jays <laughs> are playing somebody that's leading their division or in the playoffs. So um, hopefully that turns around. Uh, but, yeah, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic for the second half. Everyone brings up the fact that their record right now is better than it was in 2016 when they made it to the AL Championship Series. So mm-hmm. kind of hanging our hat on that and just hoping for the best. And uh, hopefully this weekend against Oakland, turn things around offensively and, and we're going to have a good series. And apologize for the noise in the background. No, yeah, I'll, I'll let you get back to your family. Uh, but thanks for doing this. We don't, Brad and I don't often get a chance to talk to uh, folks who follow other teams. So with Brad being out this week, gave me the opportunity and, and you would kind of, you would kind of hit me up and I was like, Oh yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. So thank you, Paul, for, for doing this. Um, and that'll be it from here. So for all of the folks who helped me on this episode, I am double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. This is Jonathan Macri from the Knicks Film School Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising a another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You could invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com backslash blue wire bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.